Who would be a Wolves fan, eh? On goes Wolves. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Flash in the shot. What a goal! Hello, 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 and welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast, brought to you by the 90 Min Football Network. Joining me today, we've got Blake, Matt, and Adam. Guys, I don't know why I'm in such a positive mood. Could it be the coffee I probably shouldn't have had at 8 o'clock to get me through the evening? Because it certainly isn't about the Wolves, why I'm feeling so enthusiastic. Um, Guys, we're going to talk about Wolves' 3-0 defeat to Chelsea, of course. We're going to discuss what, if anything, a new manager is going to bring to Wolves, who hopefully is going to be signing for us before the Forest game, you'd like to think. And also predicting how we're going to end up before the World Cup break as well, as well as a lot of very fun Twitter corner questions as well. To be honest, guys, we're going to skip through them. We'll, we'll skip through a lot of the Chelsea game, let's be honest, because it weren't the best pleasing on the eye for Wolves fans. But um, let, let's go through it. Let's, let's, let's break the ice on it, um, Pricey, because I know you, you had a fun and eventful trip down to West London at the weekend. Did yes, I mean I imagine um, most people did. To be fair, when the the strikes are on, um, but uh, no, uh, without, without going into the full belts and braces of it, we had a bit of a mad dash just to get actually to the game on time. Since our airbus driver decided to just go towards Stamford Bridge and then start driving away from Stamford Bridge, <laughs> so. So uh, we ended up just bailing out over the course of a few red lights and then just quickly dashing towards um, the ground itself. But I only missed the first three minutes and evidently didn't miss much else for the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah, London, one of those places infamously where it's fine just to get a bit lost. You'll, you'll figure out your way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like we, we don't need to get there early. Early, schmerly, we'll be, we'll be all right. As we are. Just, I'm sure we can just stay in the pub for another 15, 20 minutes. We'll be all right. Yeah, exactly. Well, we'll go back to sort of two o'clock on Saturday um, to the team news being announced. And you know what? Despite how the poor Wolves have been, I did have a swell of optimism. I don't know about you, Matt, but I feel it was like, the, frankly, and I mean, looking at the bench as well, it was probably the best lineup he could have put out, do you think? Yeah, it was. It, you know, it's just refreshing to see players playing in and pretty much their preferred positions. Um, obviously hampered by a Collins and Neves suspension and, you know, various injuries that we've got. It's kind of the forced hand, really. The the bench is absolutely laughable. Um, but actually, out of all of those players, Hodge wouldn't have been the one who I'd have put money coming on. Um, but we'll get on to that, I'm sure, later. I mean, the starting 11, it, it is what it is, really. No real surprises, but it's good that... Um, they had the wherewithal and the bravery to go to go for it in the first place. We could have been in a position where we gone three at the back just to try and nullify. We didn't to try and have a go. Not that we saw that in the first half, but yeah, I think it's to be expected. Great to see Costa starting, but I think we all knew he wasn't going to make it past kind of 60, 65 minutes. No, I think um, it, we'll touch on the post-match comments around sort of players' fitness levels. 
towards the end of the uh, towards the end of the segment. Um, but Blake, for you, would it have been sort of pretty much the lineup you just started? I mean, as, as Matt said, yeah, you look at the bench. We won't be only named, um, I believe, eight substitutes of which, bar eight Nori and Huang, they're pretty much all development squad players, aren't they? Yeah, there's not really much else he could have done. I mean, there's some debate over whether or not Kostic should have come off the bench later on in the match. But, you know, look, it, it was the best that we could do considering what we have. Yeah. Um, you know, for, from my point of view, uh, you, you look at it and it, it's square pegs in square holes, which is kind of a refreshing uh Kind of refreshing change for me, to be honest. But you know, you, you, it didn't feel too shoehorned. Yeah, you've got Totty, uh, Totty and Kilman as your two centre halves. It doesn't feel amazingly balanced. But considering you're without Neves, you're without Collins, as, as you say, man. Um, I wasn't too upset, and I did think for. Uh, I, I, am I being too optimistic, Pricey? For in the first half to have a bit of hope because we did sort of hold our own for spells of it didn't we yeah we we, we didn't threaten but we didn't look as if we were going to get ourselves disgraced in any way um because for me looking at that starting 11 what got me what I was pleased about was the actual slight change in formation and I guess out of necessity we couldn't play the three in midfield which I actually don't really think we should be doing anyway. I don't, I don't think we should be playing the three midfield. I think something like this four-two-three-one should be how we play going forward. But like, like I say, this this was thrust upon us by necessity, given the fact that Nunes and Matinho were really the only two options we had from our first team squad. Um, but we look we looked all right first half. I mean, we had. I remember. My memory from yesterday, the, the standouts being that from the first half, Nunes sort of broke away and took on like three of the players, and I think ended up winning the free kick for us that that Matinho had on a shot on goal on. Um, by and large, Costa was yeah. I mean, not just for the first half, but for, for the for the entirety of the area that he was on, obviously didn't have a lot to to play with. He didn't. I think I think he had one. Kind of opportunity that he just got the ball just muddled between his feet essentially, and he just he couldn't couldn't get it out the um, couldn't get it out, out, out of his feet. But um, yeah, we didn't we didn't do too we disgrace ourselves that much really to be honest. We didn't, we didn't disgrace ourselves, but I think nor did we entirely create any anything of note. I guess that might as as might be expected when you're up against a team such as Chelsea. Yes, um, you know what? Let, let, let's talk the positives because there, there were glimpses in the first half. For, for me, like you look at the performance overall, yeah, we we didn't really ever look like massively scoring. But a player who quietly does seem game after game giving us a bit more and a bit more in terms of Nunes, as you were saying, and it wasn't just that run which. It's the room we've all been hoping he's been doing. When you look at the YouTube clips, um, it's, it's time at Sporting. Um, you know, where he kind of breaks past about four players and, like, somehow takes the ball, sort of essentially moves the ball 60, 70 yards at the pitch by dribbling and then picking a pass out and then winning the free kick on the edge of the box. Um, 
Matt, we've got some play on our hands. It's just a shame we're shit, isn't it? We we do. I don't know if <laughs> if there's there's an element here of um, I don't know if you'd have seen it uh, for for United's second goal here, which Cody makes Ronaldo look like Usain Bolt. I don't know if this is an element of um, you know Mateus having the benefit of having an unfit squad around him. I think work his work rate is obviously very high, and he's obviously a very physical player. Um, and I think that is being highlighted by some of the frailties from our, our physicality from the rest of our squad. Um, you know, to say we held on in the first half is like describing a cockroach surviving a nuclear holocaust. <laughs> you know, it, yes, we did, but it wasn't pretty. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but going, going back to your point, you can. it's refreshing to have somebody hold on to the ball, make positive runs, and still maintain a physicality and just a little bit of bite, a little bit of nastiness that we've all said that we've missed now for a while in our players. Um, you saw yesterday, you know, we, we could have got in trouble for a little cheeky kick out. Um, and, and thankfully you didn't. But, you know, I don't mind that. I don't mind someone that's going to grab the ball by the horns and have a little bit of passion either. And he's obviously immensely technically talented and he comes with a pedigree of that. So it shouldn't be a surprise. It's just a shame that at the moment, the other members of the team around him aren't quite possessing that same drive, I think, and same attitude. Yeah, I think drive's the optimum word for him, isn't it? Like, in the, in his best points in a Wolves shirt, it's he's been where he takes it on half turn. And one of the most notable things for me um, is how passive we can be going forward a lot of the time. And not being afraid to turn on the ball or taking it on the half turn to drive it forward and doing playing the safe option a lot of the time. Um, I, I picked up a tweet from Gully at the weekend um, where, for the audio listeners amongst us, a big shout out to those who are joining us on YouTube uh, live, by the way. Uh, thanks for everyone who's in the comments as well. Um, Gully said on Twitter, that break at the end where Samedo kills Costa with the layoff is exactly what is going wrong. There's a shot on for Nelson if he takes responsibility. Way too submissive an attack. Passing the ball equals passing the book. And there felt like a lot of that, particularly in the first half, Blake, where they're just a bit scared to play with conviction. Well, it's what's so interesting because we just don't really seem to have any passion for it at the minute. I mean, it's it's what's so strange is that so many players just seem completely disinterested. And you do say that, you know, a lot of players seem to be playing without without this drive. However, you also have Potence who's trying these deft little flicks every 10 seconds. And half of the time, fair enough, it works out. But another half of the time, it was going straight to Chelsea defenders. And it's like, I don't know, it feels like we're 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 doing the exact opposite of what we're supposed to be doing. I mean, we need to maintain possession in our own half and then hammer them on the counter. That's what, what made us so good for the past couple of seasons and just feels like we really can't do that at the minute, no matter how hard we try. I don't know if there was an element there of the, the pressure of not having this. You know, everybody pre-game was talking about, you know, okay, the handbrake's off now. No Bruno. We could play a different way. We can do this. We can do that. There were so many unforced errors from Wolves when they're not even being highly pressed that I'm not saying it's the basics and the fundamentals going wrong. It's something, it, it was a mentality thing. Like there was mm. just, they really seemed scared to play out for being picked off, but 
the problem is then they're, they're, they're forcing themselves to second guess. They're playing silly balls constantly when they're in in possession. Instead of playing themselves out of trouble, they'll just hoof it up and invite Chelsea pressure again. It was a it was a cowardly it was a cowardly performance for some players in that first half. I'm afraid to say. Should we dig some of them out? Who, who should we scapegoat first? This <laughs> feels so unnatural for me to be like that. But I think I think the one who's going to kind of get at the brunt of it, rightly or wrongly, and frankly, I think it is rightly, it, it is Guedes. Um, who did you did get the hook at half time, and we will I say we'll talk fitness later because it it the Davis came out afterwards and sort of said he was struggling fitness wise. But it was a poor show, wasn't it, Pricey, from him? He's, um, Canelli was, it was shambolic for him to be honest. I don't know what, at the minute, and not just, not just yesterday's game, but every, there's been probably one game this season where he's, he's looked like he's done something. And I think they'll probably say that to when he had a bit of energy about him. But that's, that's as far as it went, it's just energy. That's just someone who looked like he was running about a lot. Generally, actually, end products or looking like he might actually impact a game. Zip, nada. There's nothing from him at all. I just think that he is. We seem to be. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we've been linked with this guy for many, many years. Mm. And every, I think every season that he's been linked with us, we've all, as a collective, gone, nah, not, not really for us. We've all just sort of not really clamoured at the bit to get him into the squad. And now that he's here, he's kind of showing why we all thought, you know, not too much of him in the, in the first place. Because I don't know whether he's, he's not, he's not exactly playing at a position, but he just looks like he's not comfortable wherever, wherever he plays for us at the moment. I guess you could say that about quite a few of our players at the moment, to be honest. But he just doesn't look, doesn't look comfortable, doesn't look like he's affecting the game in, in any way. Uh, the fitness stuff, I think, is bullshit, to be honest. I think he's had... He's had pre-season, surely, at Valencia before before we signed him. Um, I I, Bruno's Bruno's tactical sessions surely can't be that bad. Where we've like decreased his fitness since he joined us. He can't have spent he can't have spent that long in Bruno's classroom in the conference room. It's zapped him of all his fitness completely. I just don't I just don't buy that. Um, but yeah, at, at the minute right now, he just he looks. Shocking, to be honest. It looks like really, really poor buy. Now, then let, put a slight caveat in there that we're, what, eight games in or nine games in, whatever. So I'm not going to trincare him. I'm not going to give him the trincare treatment straight away. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Will, straight away there with a the comment. Yeah, trincare part two. You know, we all know how trincare turned out, and I've, I've kind of jumped on him early doors, and that turned out to be right. But at the minute, I probably would have trincare over Geddes right now. I would, I would willingly open the door and roll out the carpet for Trincare to come back as compared to Geddes at the moment. I was going to say that was a question I was... You've primed me up perfectly, Pricey. Um, in terms of... I think Trincare was probably available for similar money in the summer. Now, I, I, I don't know why I was so hopeful about Trincare... But I think even in the first nine games of last season, I think I saw more happening from him. Even if it was just work work rate-wise, in terms of his closing down and his pressing. Yeah, he struggled with the physicality of the English game, etc. And it took him, you know, 
90% of the season last year, Trincao to really notch anything output-wise. But I did think he at least gave a bit more, whereas he just seems a bit quiet, Quedes. Mm. Uh, that's it. the only way I can describe it. I'm hesitant to, to kind of dig him out at this point when there is no... There is no when Hodge is your standout player and maybe Troy Ray, I'm hesitant to dig him out completely for being the absolute worst thing, you know, since Frankowski. Do you know what I mean? Um, the, 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 the issue, I think, and it shouldn't be this way. It absolutely shouldn't be this way. I think the whole team lacks a belief and a and now and a manager that comes in that galvanizes and gets them playing the best that they can. I think he's, you know, he, he had a moment or two in the game where he indirectly affected for the positive when he cut in front of Azpilicueta, draw the foul on the card. Hmm. You know, it wasn't. We need a scapegoat. We all know that. Now Dendonk has gone. We've got to pick somebody as quickly as we can. That's fine. I get it. We, we all need to, to have that. But I think to, to, to write him off at this point in time, I think, would be naive. But I think that he Christ, he needs to show a hell of a lot more. But who doesn't in this squad? Out of curiosity, when it comes to picking a scapegoat, I'm thinking we need like a wheel to do it. Who mm-hmm. should get to spin the scapegoat wheel? Oh, that's a good question. The, pre- the previous game, though. Yeah, 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 that's right. As soon as they, as soon as they score, we'll get a clean sheet, clean slate, and... or they, or they leave. They get to do the inaugural spin. And does that mean like Huang is just like sitting really quietly in a corner, <laughs> just like praying to God? Yeah, to be um, fair, he's been he's been void of uh, void of some of the criticism for the last few weeks. He must have had a quite a peaceful it, a peaceful start to the month. Yeah, it's, it's, it, his uh, Instagram notifications have probably gone well down since uh, since he's barely played. Um, you're still getting you're still getting this chance, Huang is, but we're still saying he's still on loan for the season. Uh, <laughs> Wolves, Wolves, Wolves fans need to up their game with that one. Need to amend that chance somewhere, you know. Definitely. Um, I was going to say my last thing on Guedes is: Do you think he's somebody who plays better when other players around him are playing better? So, like, where's Nunes? We've talked about him. He seems to be someone who is having a bit of an impact in games and is influencing the team rather than being influenced by the team. I don't think that's just, like, position, like the position he plays in. I think it's more, like, how he plays the game. But do you think you could say something similar about Guedes, that he's not really taking the game by the scruff of the neck in the way that we want and need a winger to be or to be an outlet out wide and you know love him or hate him Adama doesn't you know particularly on Saturday like if he got the ball he'd try and do something with it he, he would try and influence the game where it feels like a lot needs to happen around him to get the most out of him it seems like the ultimate kind of confident again he might be the ultimate confidence player and like you say or as we have already said this is a team with a crisis confidence. Now, whether since he joined us, evidently crisis, the, the since he joined us, evidently the, the confidence was already at a near crisis point. So, we've, I guess I'm, I'm trying to create an argument for him now, as previously arguments against him just, but maybe we haven't seen the best of him until conference as a whole in the squad picks up. Um, <laughs> Like we, we all know that the team just looks bereft at the moment. The whole squad just looks completely bereft of any of anything 
ideas, creativity, sometimes work rate. Maybe that's affecting him. Maybe that affects him quite a bit. And you know, we're seeing that amongst quite a few players. And you mentioned the Dharma just there, Rich. I mean, a Dharma is the ultimate roll the dice and see what happens. Player at the moment, you know, it, he he given the ball, he could roll a one, and he just nothing loses the ball as he did quite a few times yesterday. But then again, he went on one of his amazing runs, drawing. I think did, did he draw the yellow card from Aspel Equator? I think you know, he, I, I, I think he. he he went on a couple of his textbook amazing runs, doing what we know he can do. But you know, unfortunately, that those rolls of dice tend to go one way more than more than the other. And he's another one potentially that's well doesn't want, doesn't want to be for a start. Doesn't really. Let's be honest, Adama. He made that quite clear. But he maybe he's another one who's suffering from the crisis of confidence in in the squad uh, that seems to be affecting Geddes as well. And the fact that we play Pedence out of position, you can see why we're not getting anywhere with our forward players at the moment. I feel like I'm doing as much as possible to avoid talking about the goals, to be honest. Um, so I'll let Blake talk about it. Uh, to be honest, Matt, you're right. It, it was a little bit... No, it was very much backs against Wolves for a lot of that half. And it didn't help that when we were breaking, we did nothing with it. Um, and, and Diego Costa was probably, you know, internally raging and remembering all his meditation training. But to concede just before half-time, um, and well, to be honest, we conceded literally at the end of both halves, and that real sort of switch off at concentration really killed us, Blake, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Um, it was obviously coming. I mean, I, I think that we were allowing Chelsea way too many opportunities, so I'm not too sure how disappointed we could be that we had conceded before half time. In, in all honesty, I think Chelsea probably deserved to be one or two goals up before half time, so. It, it was what it was. Uh, it's obviously unfortunate, especially considering we were generating the very rare and occasional chance. So, you know, obviously it, it does kind of crush your hopes a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think that, I don't know, I wasn't really going to the Smash thinking that we were going to have any chance of getting three points. So for me, conceding first wasn't the end of the world, but to do so right before halftime is, it's unfortunate. And I know a lot of people are blaming Saw for it, but... I know. I think it's just sort of an unlucky sort of position where Saul has to come to Havertz, and the fact that it's looping into the back of the net. I mean, it kind of depends on the angle you watch to see whether or not Saul actually could have gotten an angle on it and could have sort of backtracked and made some incredible dive backwards to stop it. But I don't know. It just felt unfortunate to me. One thing that um, highlighted me about the goal, and I know like Smedo didn't do a particularly great job at all of um you know protecting the uh, protecting the back post i think that's the first goal we've conceded where and i don't like saying it i think if we'd have had five of the back and you'd have had three center halves in i think if you had of johnny there we'd have almost certainly conceded the same goal but i think if you'd have had the back three of last se- season had kilman on the back post essentially is what would have been i think that gets cleared up is that fair to say, or you know what? It doesn't really matter because it was going to happen anyway, regardless of how many we, we had at the back. But I just thought it was interesting in terms of how the players were lined up that we might have had another chance. And you could say it was just good movement by Havertz to peel off the centre half and you know mm. pull on to pull on to the fullback. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm clutching at straws for stuff. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those, isn't it? I, I think potentially, but where. 
on the odd occasion we did get a chance to break away in the in the first half, would we have had that with one extra person having to sit back? Would we have been even more limited in anything offensively? You know, at the end of the day, if my auntie had bollocks should be my uncle. We just we can't like we we it is what it is at this point in time. You know, I I, I don't think that in a in a normal back line that we have with Collins even at the back. We, that changes things as well. Mm. I, I I think picking apart the goals is one thing in terms of individual errors. And I, I don't think Saar covered himself in a lot of glory for two at least of the three goals. Um, I just think it's one of these where the, the res- just to say the result isn't important and the goals conceded isn't important is is weird to say when you lose a game in the Premier League by three no, goal you're margin. Right, you're right. But it's it, it's the manner of the defeat as opposed to the the like the the some of the parts is probably more important than the machine in this scenario. No, I I, I do I do agree with you. Um, it, it's just frustrating. No, um, no, because actually. For me, all three goals were preventable, and I'm not going to go. We're not going to go down and break through them all. Um, but actually, I think the first goal is preventable. I say it's, it's come from a broken down set piece, and the ball's kept turning over. And we've not cleared our lines effectively, and it's you know, Guedes should have done more to um sort out the cross. And Odin in the comments says, you know, Costa lost his shit at Guedes for not closing down the cross, and you know, just that basic bits and pieces in terms of the desire could and should have been better um again second goal you could argue it was good movement by uh Pulisic to break clear but again you feel like either we could stop that through ball being played or Saar comes out that bit earlier um to, to come close it down in the last goal it just felt like tired legs when you can sort of see you know Kilmer doesn't quite know where to position himself against um against Brozier, um, to be honest. So it did feel like a, again, just, we we don't learn anything new from the game. Um, you know, we, we know we're not good at attacking. We know we're not particularly great at defending. One thing we did learn is we seem to have a little tidy player in hard year, lads. Or is it just because um, our expectations in terms of people coming in is basement value? Um or do we think we, you know, is he going to be the next David Davis? <laughs> or, you know, without because actually, I thought he he did everything you'd have wanted from a player who's come into a team who, uh, you know, two wins in, well, eighteen now I believe, and, um, you know, is at absolutely rock bottom. But Matt, what did you think of his display? Well, I think anybody that adds some positivity and work rate and that that ethos would make themselves look like the next, you know, the second coming of Puskas, wouldn't they, to be honest? It, I think it was great that he got the opportunity to do so and the fact that he looked like he wanted to be on that pitch and wasn't phased by the occasion, I think is important as well. I mean, it, a lot of people could have, could have, you know, failed under those lights and, and wilted and I don't think he was. It's great. Do I think he'll have a, now a run in the team? No. Well, it's important for, especially from from an academy point of view, to see that you can get game time under the right circumstance. Um, I think the bigger the, the the bigger opportunity needs to be given to Campbell over anybody. Yeah. Um, and I think that I probably knowing how little it looked like we were going to create, 
and fitness wise probably might have took Costa off earlier to bring Campbell on to be honest and Huang in his form or lack thereof I don't think it hurts to to give Campbell minutes um, in order to just get him a run out in the team be amongst that atmosphere and you know there is nothing like game time but from a hodge point of view brilliant that he you know he showed some fight and some character and and a bit of positivity in terms of his um on the field presence but you know christ when that becomes one of your sole positives it doesn't paint a pretty picture does it yeah in, in the fancast group chat we were uh we were scraping back in terms of finding the positives weren't we but again he acquitted himself well and i think it's the bare minimum you want from a player it is that commitment um but he he gave us that and a bit more in my opinion in terms of what he did when he was on the ball and he had the opportunity to do stuff with it as well um and i think your point about um campbell's um spot on the money as well because every time he's uh, come on and played he's looked exciting he's looked again yeah. we talk about you know influencers versus influenced and he seems to be someone who is ready and willing to take the game by the scruff of the neck mm-hmm. and again it's, it's what you want to be entertained with which frankly we are not being entertained as Wolves fans and haven't been for a while but it's also what wins your games isn't it pricey i think i think yesterday there was a big show of uh confidence in hodge to bring him on in those you know, up against a really big team strong strong squad big players and, and we've chucked him on and I think he did everything that could possibly have been asked of him. I mean, he would have he'd just been asked to be kept it simple, be sensible with the ball. And he did exactly that. I, I think I only saw him gave, gave the ball away once the whole um, 45 that he was on. Um, it was like, in a way, it was kind of like having two Matinos on the pitch, in a way, of obviously different ends of their spectrum. Um, he, he was, I, I, thought it was, I thought it was great. Um, as Matt said, but he's not going to get a first team spot now. No one never is back. Hopefully, we don't revert to the three midfield again. But um, it seems like he's a good, good one to have in reserve. Um, I know when I've watched him the twenty one games previously on Bulls TV when they've been playing, he's looked a standout player, and he has been one where you look and you think, yeah, this 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 kid's got something about him that if we do need him, we can be confident he'll step in and do a job in inverted commas um but to the campbell point as well he's he's looked really really exciting chen campbell full of energy when he comes on looks like he's got a bit of trickery about him there's an opportunity now for him as well now neto will be out for the foreseeable Geddes obviously has question marks on his ability and form i think he should be eyeing up you know he should be really really pushing now for whomever the new manager may or may not be when they when they arrive should be really pushing for it for a spot there's there's a spot there to be taken if Geddes continues to misfire and you know we and we're playing front three who who's what's the argument to say that he can't push for for that starting spot given the form of everyone else Huang no thanks Geddes not right now no thanks and then there's then we've got Pedence and Traore so there's definitely a spot there for him um, and like you say, Rich, we want someone there who can help us win games, and he's, he's got that bit of trickery that could help us do just that. I mean, right now, I think we're banking on a Traore Costa partnership to try and get us out of this hole right now. But if, if the other attacking player can be Chem Campbell, then, then so be it. I'm all for it. 
No, hit completely on board. Um, the last thing I wanted to sort of talk about the game was um, the post-match side of things. Um, and Steve says, um, but he, he, <laughs> you don't want to know how long it took me to think of doing this title card, guys. Um, I mean, again, it wasn't anything we didn't already know. He talks pre-match in terms of getting bodies in the box. As he says, there weren't enough uh, people in the box taking risks and playing the right pass or taking the right shot as well. I noticed there was a potent chance in the second half where he just took far too long on it and instead of just opening up his body and curling it round, he decided to, to essentially kind of cut it back across himself where it immediately got blocked. And it's just simple things. But um, as he notes as well that it came, the first goal comes at a poor time just before half time and it might have changed the mentality if we'd have kind of gone into half time with a clean sheet um before no doubt succumbing to multiple goals second half as well. Um that's but... what I said Rich was saying this is the thing about that is running at nil nil at half time that's fine. Let's also not forget that Chelsea rested probably their three most <laughs> players James Sterling and Aubameyang were all on the bench. So and, and even and we were still even overrun then pretty much. So yeah, it, it, it got a hell of a lot worse. It, it could have yeah would would have going into half time less of galvanised walls and more very much motivated Chelsea to kick the living shit out of us um, footballing um, ability wise. That, that, that probably might be us having two hands on the Chelsea Hornets nest and giving it a good old shake. <laughs> yeah, how dare you not let us score yet? Um, I, I, I touched on it with Guedes, um, but I think the players might be a bit unfit. Who'd have thought it? Um, but um, the, the quote around um, Davis was when he was asked about um, bringing Costa off. Was it was um, it was probably looking at doing it half time initially. Um, uh, we looked at the physical data and kept him on for longer. Uh, we were told we could push him more. Obviously, thinking ahead. Uh, to next week, which is why we took him earlier. It's the same with Adama. He's on limited minutes. We knew Guedes wouldn't last a game, so we had planned subs uh, to make it to make him a game. It's a situation at the moment. The pleasing thing is they got through. I mean, that 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 there, there feels question marks and red flags all over the shop to me, um, Blake. In terms of, I know Triori's had niggles. And things like that, but is this just squad depth coming back to haunt us, or a or just a shockingly bad preseason in terms of our fitness? I think it's everything. I mean, it's just it's shocking to the point where we're basically saying that you know our goal is just to get through a match without any injuries, without anybody basically fainting on the pitch. It's just it's ridiculous that this is where we are now. I mean, we've. We've known for a long time that this was always sort of going to be the deal. We were going to have a small squad depth and that this was just the way that things were going to work. But now that these players have sort of kicked out of gear a little bit, it's all gone to hell. And, you know, I I don't even know what to say at this point. It's just, I don't know what anyone thought was going to happen. It's no surprise to me that we're getting to this point now where players are just completely unfit to go on. We have injuries. It's natural. It's something that happens within a football team. And we just have a squad that's so small that we can't really do anything about it. It's just, it's ridiculous. And we've been talking about this for years and still nothing changes. 
Now, obviously, there's there's some hope that maybe we just get a new manager and things turn around. People can become more passionate and results start to change. But as things are going, it's just hard for me to see where this fitness is going to come from, where players are going to get more passionate for the game, where where we're going to get stuck in. I just don't know where these things are going to come from or how they're going to happen. Mm, I, I Sports science shows us that when you're performing well, physiologically cardio wise you perform better that that that's one thing i think these comments are uh, from a from a manager who doesn't have the experience or wants to in his very limited role as wolves head coach say that he dragged off a player for being awful to be honest i think it's quite easy on uh, f- f- from from the getter's side to to it's, it's it's the easier narrative isn't it than to call why would he call out a player make massive ruffles of feathers in an already depleted morale side side squad it's easier to just kind of put that down to the stats and the numbers um i i, I if it if it is completely truthful then it's an absolute cardinal sin from our from our medical team um that our, and our coaching side that the players can be in a position where it's not like we're playing thursday sunday football and how yeah. intense can this training be in this in this classroom like like they're not doing any running they're not doing any cardio work in you know at compton come on like this there's some if it is true oh christ i hope it's not we've got a bigger problem on our hands than just the occasional acl there's something fundamentally wrong there but i, I don't believe it is i think it, it's an easier way to you know he's not going to dig out the players and call them shit houses and tell them that you know they need to get book their attitudes up and anything else in his one in his one post match interview. Hopefully, one post match interview. <laughs> it seems like at the minute, like we've got Doctor Doolittle in charge of our medical team because, like, we've got we've got Sasso. They, they told him to go back on and carry on playing despite the fact his knee was hanging off. Then we've got Neto, who they're told to go back on twice to to carry on playing, and now we've got. Uh, players like Gredes who've been freshly signed in the summer, played nine games, and he's getting less fit by the way, less fit by the week to the point where now we've got our interim manager telling us we took, he's took him off at half time because he's knackered. And as as Matt just said, we haven't got any midweek games. We're playing once a week, so riddle me this: what's what, what's going on? You know what 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 possibly is going on where our players are getting less fit by the week? Um, and as as Blake said, you know we're we're used to this this small squad now. I mean, there were there was talk wasn't there online about this being the best transfer window we've had since Foson come in. And you say, well, maybe maybe you could argue that because they've raised the bar in terms of the quality of player come in, like with see Nunez's and, and Collins and whatnot. But we've still got a skeleton squad that haven't actually improved the squad size that much to the point where you know we have suddenly have an abundance of options. We've still got like. No, no strikers to really pick from at the moment, apart from a 34-year-old that we bought out of semi-retirement, and you know we still have we still have issues elsewhere throughout the, the, the team where we are now in this in this position. Um, it, it just seems a bit of a joke to be honest, especially when you consider a couple of years ago in our Europa League campaign we were playing Thursday Sunday and. It didn't seem to be an issue. Maybe that's you know what what's Matt said. You know, when, if you're playing well, everything's going great. Any niggling issues just don't seem to appear, or it can can get ignored, and you just carry on. But when 
when it's like now where we can't even buy a goal half the time, then people uh, players might be more willing to suddenly you know try and step out the limelight and, and get on the bench. I, I, I don't know. It's just it's just at the minute we're just not a very good football team at the moment. Unfortunately, that's that's what it, what it comes down to. You know what really boils my piss about this scenario is that if it's a morale thing and it's it's just every game that we play strengthens Stu's idea in his head that we should get Dyson because it's a, it's a mentality thing and he'll get them playing and he'll get them running through brick walls. Here, oh, here we go. You know what I mean? It's Stu's burner account coming out from full force. Um, but it's just it's one of those things. If it's a mentality thing, then I hope that I hope the new manager that comes in can understand that and be the right man to do that. And, and I know you've got it lined up, Richard. We'll talk about a pragmatic approach to, to how we play. I'm not entirely convinced is the the best way forward. Um, if you I mean, want to get well, people excited and playing again, but organization well, never hurts either. What, uh, that, what uh, Paul in the comment there says that we are pathetic at the moment. It is, it is true. We are genuinely pathetic at the moment. I mean, our only win of the season come against Southampton. We shouldn't have even won that game, should we? Mm, if if Che Adams knew his ass from his elbow or his head, his head from his elbow, then we're not, we're not winning that game. He, you know, we're not, we're, not, we're not even winning that game against Southampton. And after that, uh, how many goals we scored this season? Three. 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 Three goals, and, and this is like after all the money we've spent, after all the options that we've got up front, we've, we've got three, three goals. Um, which am I right in thinking it's that's never lowest in the whole football league? I think Jimmy Gunn got four. We have game. the we have the worst goals per game ratio in the top seven uh, levels of the football pyramid. It's top dreadful. Seven. Yeah, in the top seven. Fuck's sake. It's, it's, worse than it's ridiculous. It's so bad. I mean, I know Stu's not on to be blunt about it, and I know I've tried to be a bit positive and track out, but it's it's bad it's... times. It is there's some fundamental things in terms of the mentality and like, there's some things that it, it's gonna be difficult to work around, but yeah, it, it ain't looking good at the moment, is it? But Let's take a short break. We're going to talk about managers just a little bit because still nothing's being confirmed. We're going to look at the next six days and have quick scores on the doors for them. And let's round it off with some fun old questions as well. See you in a minute. Hi all. Gully from Wolves Fancast here. And just like all of you long-suffering Wolves fans, I know exactly what it feels like to be lacking a creative spark here some outside-of-the-box thinking there, but our sponsors Pixel Yeti Media are here to help. They're a creative agency that cover all of your web design, branding and marketing needs with our very own WolvesFanCast.com, a fine example of their work. So much so that I hear Jeff Shee is looking to do a deal this summer. For now, it's back to the team to ask just where the Diogo Jota money has gone. We may have just had our answer. Hello, welcome back, everybody. So, um, as we are still managerless at the moment, um, the, the talks are still ongoing in terms of it's going to be Lopetegui. It feels like he is the bookie's favourite at the moment, whether it will um, actually happen this time as opposed to six years ago, we'll never know. Um, 
But I wanted to pull up a question we actually had originally in Twitter Corner um, from Amar, who's a regular contributor to the section. Um, and it was one I kind of had and might wanted to kind of bounce off you guys anyway. Um, but due to Lopetegui's apparent uh, pragmatic style of play, do you think he can actually solve our goal-scoring problem? Or are we hiring him simply because of his reputation? Uh, it seems a bit of a square peg in a round hole type of appointment. So uh, I'll come to you first, uh, Matt. What do you think a manager, a new manager, is actually going to fix Paul's problems straight away? I think prior to me reading the excellent athletic article that came out about some of the actual man management issues in Bruno's game, you know, on all of the heavily sanitized propaganda machine wolves behind the scenes videos, it was very much Bruno's very good with the people, the cameras, the the backroom staff, etc. But reading about some of the alleged kind of man management style of it. I think any change of manager that brings a difference to that style will be a positive. Like I mentioned before the break, I don't necessarily think pragmatism is a bad thing if it if it breeds confidence. If we're if we're defensively sound and scoring, pragmatism, you know, we don't have to be playing the sexiest football in the world as long as at this point we're just getting results. That's that's all that matters at the moment. Um, I, I think there's an element of the, the, the slight worry is now is that a manager with a great track record has gone off the ball and now he's on the decline, hence the reason why he's coming to Wolves. But Fosun, as we all know, it's pop, common knowledge, is always had Lopetegui in their sights. So this is a, an extension of a, a long, an extension of a plan that has already been put in place. I, I so I'm if if it is him and you know I think the bookers are five to one on at one point, which is all, which is pretty much a done deal. Um, I, I think it's a positive move. I just think that I don't, I think as Wolves fans, we need to set our expectations. And even though that bar is amazingly low at the moment, we need to just understand that overnight, we're not going to be a changed team, but I think we'll be a team that look more organised and, and have a bit more of a mental resilience to them. Um, it's currently, uh, I think the, the book is odds to switch now. So it's currently one to 10. One to 10 on. Ten to one on, yeah. So it's it's so, even. Yeah, yeah. It's, du 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 it, double the done deal it was two seconds ago. Yeah, there you go. There we go. <laughs> um, I I am yet to be fully convinced that you know he will fully sort us out, Lopetegui. So, but let's face it, yeah, it, it's 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 going to be him, as Matt said. You know, it, this this was the guy five or so five six years ago. This was supposed to be the guy. So. He's coming in now. I suppose when you look at it, like he's on. You're right. Like he's on the decline as such now because you know he's obviously had fallouts for whatever reasons at Sevilla. I suppose the only time you really get a coach is when they're on they've been on decline somewhere else. And you get him. I suppose Nuno was technically on a decline. I guess when when we got him when he come out of Porto. But I suppose the narrative around Lopetegui is that. Um, he has this pragmatic style, as we say. They, they at the minute, that's probably not what we're looking for, is it? If we're honest, we we want we want someone who can get our lot. Well, for a start, scoring a goal, sort of scoring a couple, scoring some goals initially. And I guess it, I'm looking at it thinking, is he the right guy to, to to get us doing that? I'm not sure, but maybe long term, 
he might he might end up being it might be the right guy to take us forward. We really don't know, but the one thing we can say about Lopetegui is that given the right set of players, he's obviously got a track record of winning stuff. You know, he's, he's won things with with Sevilla. Um, so who knows? We might even go on a cup run. <laughs> might go on a cup run if he comes in. But um, yeah, he's, I mean, he seems to be the guy. I'm not fully convinced, but then I think realistically, who else is available out there at the minute that we can get? I've never believed all the, the Ruben Amarim stuff for a second because no. I think it's made quite clear by a new friend of the show, Zach, that uh, Zach Lowy, that that's financially impossible to get him out. And I know that Mendes can probably play with some figures somewhere, but I just I think that that's just fantasy stuff. If you know if if the figures that are quoted are true, then no, no, that's just not going to happen. So I was fully expecting, in a way, actually, to take the cheap option and get. Uh, Pedro Martins in, but now obviously Lopetegui is also available, so he's got a bit more clout to him. And to be honest, winning the Greek League isn't probably the uh, the standout point on your CV is what some people might think it is. To be honest, but um, yeah, I mean it, it's going to be Lopetegui, and hopefully, you know, it can at least pick it up a little bit, and we'll, let's we'll wait and see if he's, he's the right man long term. Yeah, Blake. Um, I guess whether it's Lopetegui or someone else uh, comes in and there's a big shift in the markets, do you think Wolves will almost have that new manager bounce regardless of Lopetegui's, I guess, coaching history? Because I don't always buy into, you know, just because he's a pragmatic manager, I guess, on paper um, or He's kind of viewed as that. I know Dean Marston says in the comments, um, you know, his field team scored 53 goals um, last season, the season before, and only conceded, you know, 30 33. So, you know, you, you could argue he's uh, got some level of attacking ability um, in terms of how he coaches. It's not, you know, grinding out the 1 nils. But do you think we'll, I guess, improve regardless once we have a permanent manager in charge and just try and see us through the next half a dozen games? Well, you pray that that's going to be the case. I think the big problem is that I don't know if there's any manager that can come in and get this team sorted in terms of our clinical finishing. I mean, in fairness, we played on the front foot against Bournemouth and we still couldn't hit a barn door for our lives. So... For me, the problem I think we really have is the fact that we cannot finish. I mean, we, we brought up before the break that we have only three goals. We're talking about whether pragmatism or not is going to fix that. I don't know if, even if we do play on the attack and on the front foot, if that really helps us. I think that just leaves us exposed at the back. So I think there may be some rhyme to the reason of shoring ourselves, shoring ourselves up organizationally first and then paying attention to what we're doing up front. Um, and I think that personally, the only real reason we should have sacked Bruno was because of the whole morale thing, was to try and improve morale. And I think that that is what we're, we're going to have to... I think that's the only reason we're bringing in a new manager, is just so that we can probably get that little bit of bounce from a new manager, because over the long term, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if Bruno was the right fit, but I don't blame him for the fact that we can't score the fact that we only have one striker and that we've had to sign Diego Costa on emergency. Um, so I don't know. I think we could be in real trouble until the, the January transfer window, but that being said, 
I, I am praying that whoever we get as our new manager, we're going to have a little bit of a bounce here. We're going to get some results. And who knows at that point, maybe our, our whole situation turns around. But me personally, I don't know if I see it. Well, let's have a look at the next six games we've got coming up because it's basically, I wouldn't quite say it's, say it's do or die. But that is the point where we break up for the World Cup. And I think after these sets of games, the season is very much going to be defined in terms of how much of an uphill battle we're having to face um, in terms of anyone mentioning the dreaded R word. Um, and it's not just Richard. Um, so in terms of games we've got coming up, we've got Forest next weekend. Then we've got Palace midweek, Leicester at home, Brentford away, Brighton at home, and then Arsenal at home. Fellas, I'm not going to kind of go through all six games because it kind of defeats the point of us doing a preview show um, it, 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 before each of these games. Realistically, though, how many points do you see Wolves getting? Let's say if Lopetegui slash a manager signs Wolves by, well, the, this week, and they're in charge on Saturday. How many points do you think we're getting? Hmm. Matt? I'll come I... to you. For, uh, this is going to be a test of everyone's uh, ma- maths ability to be over times zero by six, isn't it? <laughs> well, I'm not the only uh, one like Carol Vorderman that likes to have a few uh, this, today. But um, I would say on this occasion, I think we look at it seven or eight. I think I, I, I think we get win. I, I think if we don't beat Forest, <laughs> do we deserve to stay up? Probably not. They're they're awful. You know, I, I'd say we beat Forest. I say we beat Leicester. I genuinely do. Call me call me a, an optimist. I don't know. I think we lose to Palace. I think we lose to Arsenal. I think we can grab draws against Brentford and possibly Brighton. Uh, seven at seven or eight, I think it would be a decent would be a decent turnaround. You know, f- for those games, it's what a weird set of circumstances that we should be grateful to a nation like Qatar. For the fact that they've got the World Cup in the middle of our awful, awful season, that like you know the, the World Cup could really be our saving grace this season. That we have a break and we get a chance to reset, and it it, it, could, it couldn't come at a better time, really. But I honestly feel that once Forest and Leicester out of the way, it looks a much better picture. Um, you know, you look at Everton at the moment; people are going, "Oh, they're flying high." They're this or that. As soon as they, as soon as they play a half decent team, they get they get punished all over the place. No one's calling for them at the moment, you know, to be in any trouble, but I would hasten that they'll be banging in trouble by the end of this six game period. Mm. So I think we need to, it's very easy for us to get carried away and, and talk about how it's done at nine games in. Is it done for anybody at nine games in? Do you know what I mean? I don't know. No, I don't. I I definitely don't believe it's done after nine games. I do think, after 15 games, I don't think your fate is ever sealed um, at, at that point, but you're a decent chunk through the season to make accurate analysis of, 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 of a squad. You've not quite mm-hmm. played everyone once, and you know there are factors within in terms of changing manager halfway through that period, but uh, you know, I, I'm op- I was going to say I'm optimistic. I think we'll somehow get nine points. I don't quite know how we'll win three games because we're definitely not, you know, 
winning two and drawing three and only losing one of the next six. But um, even if we somehow got nine points, which, uh, you know, without, you know, handing the mic back over to Pricey or Blake, I'm probably going to have the highest answer here. Um, That only puts us on what? Uh, you know, 15, 15 points after 15 games, which is still pretty, well, we wouldn't even call it mediocre. It's still poor for a team of all standing. Uh, me, I've got us uh, to get four points. Ooh. I just think, given where we are right now, I, I, I see us beating Forest and probably Gibbs White will still score. So somehow I'm putting us down to score two goals in the game there. Um, <laughs> And then I've got us to draw against Leicester and then we'll lose the rest. Based, based upon how we're playing at the minute, I I just can't see where... Yeah, exactly. Is that Paul in the comments saying it's just because it's written in the stars, isn't it? But, you know, that, it's, that this is what happens to Wolves when someone like Gibbs White comes back. He's definitely, he's definitely going to score. Um, and because we're so bereft at the moment, I just can't see where there's a sudden burst of points that are going to come from unless something radically changes. Yes, a new manager will probably come in this week, but I don't know, we're going to need a hell of a new manager bounce because how, how radical is he going to change things straight away? Or is the Lopetegui magic wand going to come out and just completely alter our fortunes? We, we, we don't know, but based upon how we're currently playing, I struggle to I struggle to see us beating teams even like like Brighton and and Brentford and we know we're gonna we know Palace are gonna do us over because you know that's par for the course and Arsenal will be a hell of a sad way to round off for the, this glorious Qatar World Cup when when they at the, at the minute that Arsenal are playing because they, they'll just rip us apart um so unfortunately yeah, it's it's quite a low low point prediction for me but I mean I'm only basing it on what we've what we've been served up so far, Blake. How about you? Are you can you can you top my top my nine, or are you, are you even? Because Pricey, you're supposed to be in positive club. I think I've been weighing down, Rich. I think I've just been ground down over the course of I don't know, the last eighteen months. I, I don't I know what's going on. What's what's happening to me, man? I'm I'm, I'm going stone cold in the, these times. Shocking. Blakey, am I dragging you towards double figures then or not? We're getting 18. No, I'm just teasing. Um, I I see us realistically getting seven with a new manager. I think we will get a little bit of a bump. We might score a couple more goals, get a couple wins, a draw. And I think that would probably round us out. I just think it's it's hard for me to see anything more than that. And I honestly think... It's so it's almost sad to the point where I think that seven points would be a good thing for us to get over six games, but but that's what I seriously think at this minute. We we just need to get a couple of results in the bag. We need some wins. That's really what we need. I mean, wins are everything in the modern football, and I'm just crossing my fingers we can get it. I think we're going to get two, and that's it. Time will tell, but don't worry, guys. We'll be here to pull our hair out regardless. Um, right, let's end the show. We've got a load of Twitter corner questions. Let's fire through them. Let's hope. Let's pick up the mood. Uh, first up, we have got in, uh, from um, Alex uh, Patakas in the in the spirit of Steve Davis getting to live out a childhood dream um, of his 
of his as a lifelong Wolves supporter getting but getting thrashed 3-0. What is the biggest letdown in terms of expectation of an experience versus reality? I'm going to go first. Voting. <laughs> I thought I'd keep it, uh, you know, sensible on this one. But voting, like, people have died for a right to vote, right? People, you know, it should be, you know, this amazing process that you get, all right, however small it is, this say, I'm on my soapbox here, guys, not just my sofa. Um, you know, this opportunity to potentially have an influence and an impact, but it's just crossing a bit of paper, isn't it? And it's, you stick it in a post box. Bit crap, actually, isn't it? Were you hoping for like at the end of when they used to get evicted in Big Brother and they'd do that and they'd all walk through yeah. Yeah, like all of the all of all of the potential uh, candidates kind of shake your hand on the way out and go thank you something like maybe um, you know like in Squid Games where they do the voting like yes. you could at least press a button and like, okay. like you keep it keep it secret still but at least I'd get like a little bit of satisfaction pressing a button like something lighting up I don't know not just like. <laughs> A pencil attached to, you know, the wall. <laughs> Mine's quite a bit less dramatic than that, and it's just the Red Hot Chili Peppers live. <laughs> I, um, I really, I saw them at a Reading Festival or a V Festival, and I expected them to be really great, and they were anything but. It was quite disappointing. Mine may be very specific to me, but uh, going to Los Angeles is so much more shit than you think it's going to be. It's it's so cheesy, lame, dirty. It's just it's lame. Bryce, how about you? Definitely can't think of one for mine. I'm trying to think of what I've built up to what was like gonna be amazing and then was a bit of a letdown. I don't know, your first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, knew, I knew somebody would say it. I just knew it. <laughs> but yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> swiftly moving on. Um, the next one, I can, there's going to be a shameless plug here, and I we we all know it. Um, but the question is, if it loads up, um, Shape the Place says, uh, if we make cost for referee, who else out of the Wolves team would make the best cage fighter? Matt, do you fancy going on there, having a swing at this one? I would love to. Uh, at Cage Fighting Pod on Twitter, if you like some film and uh, general Stew Hall hilarity, um, I think well, it has to be uh, Collins, doesn't it? After his after his kick out at Grealish the other day, it, you know how many times have we seen an MMA fight where that 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 low kick comes into place? I think he'd make an excellent. He's got tall, huge frame. I think he'd be excellent in cage fighting, personally. Bryce, how about you? Nunes looks a bit grizzled, like he'd, he'd be a good. Like he, he's he, he could handle himself in an octagon. I think Nunes could. Well, yeah, I think the, I was going to say either Aiden, possibly Aiden Norris seems like a bit of a dark horse for this sort of thing. But I definitely think for me, Nunes seems like he he's, he knows like a, a good rear naked chokehold. For me, it's Saw. He's genuinely insane. He's yeah. probably the last person I would ever want to fight. Just like fight the fact that he is just absolutely batshit. Yeah, I think I, I, I had um, when I was thinking it. I was thinking Sar. To be honest, I think he's uh, he's got 
he's got the hair. He's got the goatee as well. I, I, I don't know. I think he, I think he'd be pretty fun in there. Uh, Dean Marston says in the comments, uh, Kilman could handle himself. I reckon. I don't disbelieve you. I'm just not quite sure on the frame with Kilman. That's the only thing in terms of whether he's got the MMA frame. Because mm. like even Hodge, I was going to say little Hodge, um, mm. a man who's probably earning far more than mere age twenty in a month than I do in a year. Um, you know, he's quite well built for for a young guy. Um, but you know, will he be able to brawl in the same way as the likes of Nunes and Sar? Not quite sure. Um, right, next up, um, um, King Wolf eighty four on Twitter asks, "My daughter likes salami and honey sandwiches. What's the weirdest sandwich filling? I think salami and honey sounds like a great combo, guys. It it has that it has the element of sweet and savoury that I think yeah that you want in a in a sandwich in the same way that regardless of what you say." Pepperoni and pineapple is an amazing pizza combination because it's sweet, it's savoury, it's salty, yet it's citrusy. It's it's beautiful. And don't be cowards out there. Try it and get back to me. I, I, I don't understand the, the hatred of pineapple pizza. I do not pizza. agree. <laughs> I have tried it and I do not agree. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't have any kind of like weird sandwich fetishes of, of like of flavors putting together. I've recently been the recipient of a crimpet, if you know what one of those are. Essentially, it's just a little box that you put like Warburton's thin in. There are other uh, sandwich manufacturers out there, Thank and you. you literally put like, <laughs> and you literally um, like press this box down, and it crimps the side of this little thing, and you can put it in the toaster, so it essentially melts whatever you put in the middle of it, and it's amazing. It's brilliant. Um, but I've I've just tried really boring bog standard things in it like Nutella's and banana or ham um, cheese and pickle or something. So I'm not very adventurous when it comes to like sandwich toppings. I don't think so. I haven't really got anything to add to this, unfortunately. The only question well, I got about it was I'm a sandwich I'm, I'm boring from sandwiches. But regarding to salami and honey, do you butter the bread on that one? Do you put butter down first? I, but wonder. you've already got the honey to sweeten it, so I don't think the butter really helps, does it? Well, unless you're some sort of butter sadist who loves 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 it, puts on anything. I just wondered. I just I, I don't think you would, but you never know. There are some weirdos out there. Well, thing is, I've always seen butter as a bread lubricant. So mm. the honey, the honey is your lubricant in that scenario. In the same way that you wouldn't, I don't think you would put butter on a Nutella Nutella sandwich, would you? You shouldn't do. No. No. Inadvisable. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like um, with... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know where I'm going to go with this one. I'm so sorry. I, I feel like it just makes it more difficult. That that would be my thing. It would... You know, the spread would make it more difficult with Nutella. Would it necessarily do that with honey as much? Not quite sure. It's going to depend on the honey as well. As much as anything else, guys. Um... Mm. But yeah, any interesting uh, sandwich talks? It's great because I love it when people get involved um, with discussions online regarding it. And Dean knows me too well, but he knows I'm going to pull out a link here. Um, but talking of butter, um, uh, freezing wolf um, it was a complete non sequitur. Um, so we've got off to a good start um, and Cody is receiving plaudits. Even Ryan Giles can hold his head high from a horrendous start to a season by Boa. 
but is toast better left to cool before you butter it? And I just didn't get this. I know, Matt, this is your time to shine, my brother. Yeah, I I was very quick off the mark with this. I don't know why, but I immediately replied and said, the toast has got to be on that bread within, uh, the butter's got to be on that bread within 10 seconds of it coming out. Otherwise, that bread's got to go back in the toaster on reheat and let it come back out. However, so this started a whole myriad of conversation. We're talking statistics. We're talking uh, cross-continent opinions that were coming over. And then my own wife said in the car on the way to Bentley Bridge, I said this to her, I said, oh, look, we've had all this. And she goes, "Mm, sometimes I like to put the butter on when the bread's cooled down a little bit because when it soaks into the bread, you lose some of the taste of the butter. Um, So I'm getting a divorce. Well, you can always live with me. I mean, (laughs) even if you're having butter on toast, and I I was going to say, I have it relatively frequently, having a small child in my house and picking up leftovers. The the overwhelming taste isn't just to have like a thick layer of butter. I like a consistent spread, but I don't want, you know, I don't want a voluminous amount (laughs) on it. Um, But yeah, you get it on straight away. Why would I be waiting? Because if you don't, and, it, and especially if it's hard, and this got the whole butter dish thing when it went on this segue, if you don't get it on straight away, it's going to take longer to melt and thus longer to get it in your gob to ease. And then so you get impatient. So you then start to spread it across while it's still cold. And then you ruin the bread, you ruin the bread, you ruin the bread, goes backwards and forwards until you're left with a really thick square and a really thin middle of bread. Um, whereas if you got it on straight away, the butter's melted, less time, you 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 get to eat it quickly. Uh, I didn't realise I was so passionate about this, but um, there we go. Here we are. Um, but no, it, it's the same as, you know, what's the saying about, you know, a hot knife through butter. Basically, you're doing butter with a, what well, I assume is going to be a cold or normal temperature knife. But the toast acts as the the heat the con- to the be conductor. able to spread it yeah i mean i don't massively like you know i say cold toast anyway i'm not saying like oh you pop it in the microwave and you give it five minutes and whatever or you do whatever but you want it on straight away for, for, for people out here who don't i mean it must be and it's, it's the same with anything well whatever, whatever's going on your toast you get it on immediately Butter, yeah. Nutella, peanut butter, whatever. You just get it on as soon as you take the toaster. Don't mess about. What, what are you messing about for? What are you hanging? What are you waiting for? No, as you said, it's not. It's not a lukewarm knife through butter, is it? It's just <laughs> no. get, your, get your butter on. Get it on the toast. Yeah. The only time I can cope. The, the only time I could arguably cope without it is if there's something else warm that is going on the toast. But so if I was having beans on. So if I was having beans on toast. Okay. Or I was having a fry up where there's going to be things that are going to go on the toast that's going to, I guess, reduce the impact of the, the toast itself. Then maybe I could get on board with it. If I was having toast on its own, God, no. You know, you get that bad boy on right away. Um, I've just realised how many people are genuinely listening to this um, just trail imagine of consciousness. If, imagine, if they, imagine if they're logged on late. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was like there was some really good points about wolves about an hour ago, 
Um, <laughs> welcome to uh, welcome to this, this evening's edition of Wolves Toast Cast. We're uh, talking about toast, uh, and yet we don't. Word, and yet, and, and, yet and I'd like to bring in uh, on the YouTube comments, uh, Toaster Wolves. <laughs> exactly. I was just going to say, where's Toaster Wolves for all of this? <laughs> oh, this was a prime spot. Um, right, a couple more. Um, who's the most beautiful Wolves player to pull on? A bullshit, and who's the ugliest? You know what? We're not going to do the ugly bit. Let, let's be uh, let's be body body positive and everything. So, who's the most beautiful Wolves player ever, guys? I think I think this is, this one's all sewn up, isn't it? By the most beautiful man ever, Rob Edwards, to put to put the shirt on. It's got to be got to be Rob, hasn't it? Or, or, am, I, or am I missing someone? I was going to say my uh, my thought on that was Rob Edwards handsome when he played for Wolves, or has he matured into his looks more? I don't quite know. Mm, that's fair. Well, Kim would swear blind it's Neto, wouldn't she? I'm sure she's swooned over him a few times in the past. He's got that rugged boyish charm about him, I suppose. So that's a, he's a contender. Mine, and again, there, there's conditions within this, which you, I, I've just picked apart from Rob, Edward, Rob Edwards' argument. Mine was Wilhelm Finkler. Remember the name? The Brazilian chap who signed under McCarthy but basically never played. Um, it looks like. I, I've, 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 in my head, he he looks a little bit like Johan um, um at um, the, the old French player who was incredibly good looking. So in my head, so's this guy as well. But I'll, I'll see if I can dig out a photo of him and put it on a group chat later or something. Um, or oh, I'm just making up a complete memory of him. Um, Dean says in the comments, uh, Rue Patricio, very good looking man. Loves a loves a glass of wine, pricey if I remember correctly. He does love the Vino Tinto. And I think the um, his rating went up a notch when he got that scar in the Asia Cup. I think that, mm. that only made yeah. him more rugged. Like a sexy Bond villain. Yes. <laughs> I was just about to, again, I was about to say, is there any kind of bot villain? But yes, there very definitively is. Um, right, last question before we wrap it up for um, for the show, guys. Um, which former Wolves player on return gets a standing ovation from Wolves fans and really deserves it? I guess uh, one thing we didn't talk about with the game was Diego Costa basically doing a lap of honour after he got subbed off. I mean, he's just pure box office. I've got apparently some people were offended by it. I think get get a fucking grip, to be honest. Um, you know, with, with it, in terms of standing ovations, Connor Cody. Oh, I know. I don't know if I know. it would be standing. He'll definitely get it, clapped off. But I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I think out of current crop of players who are still playing, you know, Nevins is still here. Hmm. Jota's had returns now. And, and, you know, his reception's been a bit, not quite mixed, but it's been like, oh, it's good to, have, you know, thank you and everything, but please don't score against us. Yeah, Whereas true. I think I think Cody might play into it a lot more. So when he comes out um, pre-match to do the warm-ups, I think there'd be a lot of clapping and stuff like that, and he'd make a good go of it. Um, yeah, I'm struggling otherwise. Mm. I mean, did you see Volley getting a standing ovation Saturday? Oof. Well, 
well, I think it, people will now potentially see him as, you know, the rats always leave the, sh the, the ship before it sinks, you know what I mean? But um, I don't know. I think it's hard to, it's hard when he's essentially done a, a Hennessy for him to get a standing yeah. ovation. Um, Cody, mm. I mean, everyone's very appreciative of what he did for the club in the time he was here, but and I think only time will prove that the relationship had soured by the end because of Bruno, most likely now. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'd be a bit. I think it's a bit sickly to to. In the same way that the Cody hate online is is a is a can be a bit much at the same time, but as Wolves fans, aren't we always? Don't we always come across looking like jilted lovers when it comes to our ex-players? It's not very often that we have a very harmonious split, is it? It's because they always come back and score against us. That's well, <laughs> true. Yeah, we have, we have reason to hate him. We've done it to us again. Probably the only one that gets to the celebration and deserves his league. But if this one scored against Port Vale, did the league use celebration? That certainly exactly. stands out for life. True, very true. Um, I was trying. I was trying to think of any of the players who have who have left recently. To be honest, Gibbs White. He might get a round of applause. He'll probably get a round of applause. But I think it will be a fairly mediocre one at best. Uh, Paul in the comments um, says Robbie Dennison. Um, I'm going to say I'm trying to think of current players. I mean, I think Robbie Keane always got a good reception when he when he came back. Um, but ironically, he always bloody scored against us. Um, I think we were sick of him by the time he's got that double yeah. against us from Villa. We were sick of yeah. sight of it. Um, Jolien Lescott, I think, would have. But he didn't, as far as I'm aware, did he really ever play against Wolves? I mean, post then, then Donker, I think, has, you know, part, if he was playing for anybody else other than the Villa, I think he'd be received really well on his return because I don't think anybody ever questioned his, his work rate and his ethic and his, no. his I think he, I think in hindsight, I think we realise that, that actually we could have used, he would have been more useful to keep than to sell. Um, so I think actually Den Donker, of all of the current crop of people that have left, he's the most likely to get a, uh, at least a, a good reception, most, the most pleasant reception. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it, it just uh, you just reminded me of like the um, the press releases when Dendonka was sold compared to when Bolly was sold, and <laughs> just like the uh, you know, it was a bit of a job reference for Dendonka one. You know, he served the club with you know mm. maximum distinction and you know, whatever. Bolly's is he's left the club. <laughs> Thank you for your time. Like, yeah, that was a man who was quietly quitting. Um, did, um, did 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 Helder Costa ever play against us when he went to Leeds? I can't remember. I can't remember if they played last season at all. I can't remember if he if he played for them in the Premier League. I was just wondering because I thought he would he would have got a decent one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, he yeah. should have got a good reception. I think. Um, yeah, yeah, they had that great season, got us promoted, and then the injuries really kicked in, and then we got rid of him. Yeah, so he never kind of... He didn't do anything think, to offend us, did he? No, exactly. And I think his career post-Wolves, to be honest, has, I, I, I guess, shown his proper level, or at least his floor, rather than his ceiling, uh, which, you know, fortunately, we got to see at Wolves. But um, we're going to wrap the show up there uh, tonight, everyone. Big thanks to everyone who's tuned in live on YouTube. Big thanks to everyone who's listened. Um, on podcasts as well. Big shout outs to Pixel Yeti Media and the 90 Min Football Network, of 
course, make sure you keep up to date with all things Wolves Fancast at Wolves Fancast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Um, we'll be back um, Thursday night to preview the Forest game and we'll be also back next Sunday as well to react to the Forest. Fingers crossed victory. Um, but until next time, it's bye from Blake. See ya. It's goodbye from Pricey. I'm off to some toast. See you later. It's goodbye from Matt. Take it easy, everybody. Look after yourselves. Check in on your mates. It's goodbye from me. See you next time. Yeah.